Welcome to the Parent Podcast, where each week we'll discuss topics relevant to parents. Whether you are expecting the arrival of your first child or have kids preparing to graduate from college, we've got you covered. Each week, we'll bring on different guests who will provide their expertise and perspective in an effort to remind you that you are not alone in this journey and encourage you as you raise and lead your family. Welcome, parents, once again to The Parent Podcast. I am your host, Robert Nash, children's pastor at Autumn Ridge Church in Rochester, Minnesota, joined as always with student pastor Derek Freed. Derek, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing? You know what? I'm not too bad. It's beautiful weather outside. I I keep hearing people say that there's snow coming in April. It has to happen. I choose to reject that and oh. say, this is it. This is spring. It's happening. It's here. Those people need to stop talking. They do, because I feel like they're the ones who bring on the bad weather. Well, we have a, a really good topic, and we have some wonderful guests. Derek, why don't you introduce them for us? So today, we're going to be uh, diving into the topic and idea of single parenting, both for single parents, but also for those that aren't single parents, maybe how they can help and come alongside those that are. And uh, really excited to have Shane and Kara Gothier with us today, and they work for Olmstead County Child Protection Services. And uh, and I'm going to pass it over to them so they can explain a little bit more about what each of them do specifically kind of in that area. So Shane, Kara, thank you for being with us, and why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do. Well, thank you. Um Ongoing, I work in the ongoing child protection department. So in my world, we're, we're handling, you know, cases where there's child abuse, child neglect, um, you know, some serious matter in the home. Sometimes our families just need a, a social worker to plug them into some services and opportunities to help, you know, the family learn and grow. And other times we, we have to get court involvement as part of that process. And I've been doing this for about five years since we moved back home from Haiti. I work with the Parent Support and Outreach Program. It's a voluntary program that works with pregnant moms who've had prior social work in their life, potentially involuntary TPRs, which means a termination of parental right or some kind of work with uh, the county. I usually work with families and help them connect to resources or support so that they can keep their family moving forward in a healthy and supportive way where all the kids are safe. So both of you have probably, in your job, probably have a vast array of knowledge there. To be honest, we've been doing you know, social work for most of our adult lives, even though 15 years of that was under the, you know, the umbrella of foreign missions, you know, five of that's here working for the government. So we've seen lots of different scenarios with families and, you know, Latin America, East Africa, the Caribbean, and then, you know, now here in our own hometown. And, you know, the dynamics are similar in some ways, but, you know, different in other ways. You know, in, in certain situations, you have families that have a lot of resources. They have family members who live close by. And in other contexts, you have people who don't have resources and they don't have family close by. The dynamics are, are pretty you know vast and broad. And, and each family situation, family system has its own unique set of strengths and needs and, and abilities. You know, the, the more exposure you have to different contexts, the better you can you know, come into somebody's home or into their lives and 
be able to give them some advice and encouragement and sometimes accountability. Which I think is huge. The idea of that, no families are the same. Even when you're talking about two-parent families, single-parent families, blended families, whatever it might be, there's no cookie cutter like, this is the family, or there's no cookie cutter, this is the answer. Everyone is unique. And you need to understand that, that any family you're going to engage with or, or be, you know, connected with. It's really about getting to know the specific dynamics of that family. But I think there are some things we can talk about that maybe are kind of broad ideas. Definitely. So back when I was still planning all these episodes, right, and uh, we came up with our topics and we were trying to figure out guests for each episode, you two came up immediately from my team saying, oh, well, you have to talk to them for single parent homes. And there was some confusion when I first reached out to you. You're like, I'm not a single parent. I'm like, well, no, but you have a passion for single parent homes. So so tell me a little bit about that. Uh, what is the passion? What is the draw to that uh, type of home? I know for me, Shane returned back to school uh, to get some graduate work done when we were living in Illinois. And when we were working overseas, he was oftentimes traveling and I was home alone with the kids. And even though I wasn't a single mom, I somewhat felt like a single mom. And I knew very quickly that it was hard. I know I connected with other moms, other people with young children to just help me get through those times when I was struggling as a young mom. I feel like that's where my passion comes for working with single moms because I know how tough it is. I'm a mom of five children, so living overseas brought different challenges. What I realized is it's just nice to be able to talk to someone, get support, and it, and it wasn't like that in the beginning. I think in the beginning, I tried to do things on my own and failed royally. And that's when I think when I fell and stumbled enough and realized, man, this isn't working. That's when I finally reached out for help. You know, when it comes to parenting, it's, it's hard. It's hard when you got, you know, mom and dad or, or whatever the home looks like, but it's always go, go, go. It's always busy. There's always struggles and obstacles that you're trying to, you know, navigate your family through. So if it's hard for, for two people to do, I mean, that, that, the increase of difficulty for just a, a single mom or a single dad, it's, it's incredible. And in parenting, you do have that mindset of I'm all alone. No one else could possibly understand or relate to uh, what I and my, my kids are going through. And I would have to imagine within the single parent home, there's less of a chance of building connections in order to have somebody that you can talk to. Is that true? That depends on, again, the circumstances around you. Like, for instance, if you're in a rural part of Kenya, where the culture is a collectivist culture and people sort of do life together. And, you know, if your kids are getting into trouble, it's not uncommon that the neighbors are going to deal with your child before you do, you know, so that you have a community. So whether your spouse dies or they have to be far away, you know, taking care of the animals or they have a job in the city, you still have a community around you that's working together with you. You know, it's maybe easier to do parenting when you don't have your spouse, you know, near you all the time. Where, you know, the culture that I grew up in, you know, here in Rochester, Minnesota, it's not a collectivist culture and it's more individualistic. So everybody has their own lawnmower and their own snowblower and their own car. And your goal is to not need your neighbors and sometimes to not need your family. And if it's perceived that you are a needy person, that's a negative thing. 
And so I, I think it can be extremely difficult in an individualistic culture, even if you go to church every weekend to you know be a single parent or to be a parent where you're not around your family. Definitely. I agree with what Shane said about your culture can kind of dictate where you're at as a single parent. Like I know I think I struggled because I came from this culture where I was taught the individualistic, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, make it work. And when I was really struggling, when Shane was off, you know, working far away and I didn't have him near, I just remember thinking I was going to physically hurt my kids or not make it through the night. And I didn't feel like I could reach out to someone because I, I had that mentality like, okay, how do I make this work? How do I get through this? You know, that was back in 2000. You know, I don't know if things have changed where the message is to reach out for help more. I know that I'm promoting that now as I've learned and grown, but I know just when I was a young parent, I didn't think that way. I thought I had to kind of do it on my own. I may be wildly speculating here, so I want to be perfectly honest anybody listening. I would venture to guess that most single parents, the road that got them to being a single parent in their eyes probably already comes with it some sense of failure, whether that's a relationship that failed or a marriage that failed or a mistake that they made that 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 brought them this child or you know a bad decision something like that and so they're they're in this place of being a single parent thinking well I've already messed up in some way to get to here I don't want people to think that I'm more of a mess up by saying to somebody else I can't do this or I need help doing this and so it, it almost compounds on it this idea of I need to do this on my own because I want to show people I'm not whatever that thing was that got me there. And so I think it just makes it that much harder to maybe even ask for help. Yeah, I would agree completely that it is harder when you've, you find yourself in a situation that ultimately you didn't dream to be in this position. And a lot of moms that I work with are in the situation they're in due to... Um, hard situations like uh, relationships with abusive people. And it took a lot of energy and strength just to break free. So then they're grieving the loss of that relationship. And then they're stuck in this position of feeling pretty low after being treated in a way that wasn't the way they wanted or imagined they'd be treated. So it can be a pretty deep hole to climb out of for a lot of single parents. And a big part of it is you want to show not only that you can handle it right, but but just like any other home, you want your kids to be happy. You want them to be healthy. You want to be successful in, in whatever you're pursuing. So, so that's a big part of it. Along with all that, what are some other challenges single moms or single dads face that, you know, other people may be unaware of. One thing that comes to mind for me is a lot of the single moms I work with desire the father to be involved in the child's life and they want to know how to navigate that if if there's even a chance that dad wants to be involved and how to do that well without re-victimizing themselves or getting hurt. And I love that about some of the single moms I work with, they do want dad to be a part of the child's life. So when you have a single mom expressing that to you, what might you say to her? I think there's safe ways to keep dad involved and boundaries that can be 
established so that mom isn't continually being hurt or manipulated. And that's part of the work that we can do through the county. There's organizations called FAC, which stands for Family Access Center, where exchanges could take place between parents without them having to see each other. There's definitely ways that that can be done or through a third party contact, either a family member, a grandparent. I think some of the challenges are just dealing with you know, the guilt and the shame and then not knowing who you can be vulnerable with. And again, if you live in tight community with people, you can be pretty vulnerable and continue to do life. To be honest with you, I don't know a lot of people that are that vulnerable where they can just you know, go to their close friend and say, by the way, my child is doing this. You know, I, I think those who are maybe the most healthy are the ones who have people in their lives that they can be super vulnerable with. Sometimes I think the other ch- part of the challenge is our systems that exist for, you know, quote unquote, helping people can actually cause more hurt and harm than help, you know, such as the one-off handout or, yeah, you know, I think the county, Olmstead County having all the resources and for families and being able to get food and cash assistance and it, it's all good. But when there's not a personal connection and like a relationship connection, I think it can, can be actually damaging when we can, as a community, you know, support one another and use our resources to support one another and do it while being relational instead of just, okay, hey, here's a handout. I, I just paid your rent. Okay, we're good. And, you know, I never talk to the person again. It's not sustainable. When you live in a relationship with other people, that there's a more healthy, long-term sustainability, right? Because, yeah, I may need immediately need my rent paid, but what I really need is a job. Or I might need help with my anxiety or my depression. And it, it may be that I need some close friends or I, I do need professional counseling. But to get to that point where you can express what's really going on and for people around you to understand what's really at the very surface and the foundation, it takes vulnerability. And again, in a, in our culture, I would say it's not, it's less easy to be vulnerable. Especially probably in situations where they have been vulnerable in the past and now they've been hurt. So to open up again to, to someone else, extremely hard. I think one of the struggles that, as I've talked to single parents, is the sense of feeling alone. I think a lot of single parents feel like they're in it alone and that people who aren't single parents don't understand what they're going through and what they're experiencing. And so that makes it feel even more alone that, you know, whenever they talk to somebody about parenting that doesn't, isn't a single parent, like they just, they don't get it. And so I think like part of combating that is them having to understand the reality that they're not alone. But I think part of that too is creating community where they don't feel alone. I mean, you can create the false sense of community, but really doesn't solve that idea of feeling alone. And then you can create community where you you truly don't feel alone. And so I think it's creating that type of an environment and community to where it combats that idea of feeling alone mm-hmm. as a single parent. Yeah, one thing I wanted to say is just, um, you know, sometimes we can throw people into a group. Okay, single moms group, they're meeting for Bible study. And I think that's great because there's support that they can have within. But I love inviting single moms to my home where they get to see us 
parenting together and that we're not perfect, that we have struggles with our teenagers and our kids and they don't listen to us right away all the time. And even for two people, they if they can see that we struggle sometimes, it helps them to know like, okay, well, they can walk away just seeing what real life is, even for a married couple. I love that parents or couples who are together can invite single moms or single parents into their home and develop relationships with them. So then does that mean there's a kind of a mindset that, well, if I had, you know, quote unquote, normal household, everything would be way better? Is that is that just kind of a, a feeling they have or a thought they have? I think a lot of the single moms I know, you know, they long for that father figure or that partner to be in their life. And I think it's good for them to see that it's still not an easy road. Yeah, the, the burden's lighter. There's things that we continually work on, but I think it's just refreshing that to them to know that it's not all solved or perfect in, in a two-parent home. You know, Kara's exposing, you know, in small ways like our failures on a podcast, but... <laughs> oh, we're going to get into the specifics well, here in a minute. I too. do know some of your kids, so I, I you know... Yeah, Derek, Derek I knows do know some of the failures of our kids. But, you know, when, when people come into our house, they might see the dirtiness of our house if they came over before we had a chance to clean up after our kids or in our house my mom lives with us and you know they said well why does your mom live with you or how how this come to be or well i mean my parents were divorced before i even remember them being together you know child protection came into our home and my mom got in a relationship with a guy who was really abusive and then we ended up living with my dad which wasn't was kind of unheard of 30 years ago you know, I think we pretty quickly are open with people to say, yep, here's, this is who we are. And these are the things we do really well. And this, these are the areas that we have failed and sometimes continue to fail, but it's, it's who we are. Yeah, and it opens the door for people to then be, when you're vulnerable and you're perceived as the healthy, got it together people, that immediately opens the door for other people to, to say, ooh, well, here's my struggle. And there is no perfect family. I mean, I think that's a lie that, I mean, even not just single parents, but even one where there's two parents, I mean, they, they idealize, well, if it was like this, then it would be the perfect family. And that just doesn't exist. I mean, every family has issues and stuff they struggle with and things that aren't great and things they wish were better. And, you know, for single parents and, and everybody is just to, to understand you're not alone in the fact that things are hard and you're not alone when you go, man, I just wish it was different or I wish it was like this. Cause I think everybody in a family thinks that at some point and in some ways. So you touched on something that I'm interested in you mentioned single dads. Obviously we talk a lot about single moms that that's probably the, the majority of, of what the uh, single household is like, but, but there are single dads. So are these men facing a lot of the same challenges that, that the women do? Do they have some different, unique challenges that they have to, to handle? Yeah, I, I think the society sort of cultural expectations are different. I think in some sense, it's because it's it's not the norm. In people's minds, they it, it immediately raises the red flag in question of like, what's going on here, right? That, that I don't think single moms face that the way single dads do. I think single moms is is pretty accepted and understood, maybe accepted is the wrong word, but it's understood that, that that's the norm for single parents is as a single mom. And so when it's a single dad, 
that kind of makes people go like, wait, what's going on there? Yeah, my guess is there's a lot more titles out there related to single motherhood than you know, single fatherhood. But yeah, it's dads are capable and they can be nurturing and caring and responsible. And I think it's easier for man, men to take the backseat role because the expectation is that you're you're not the you know the front and center caregiver. I'm, I'm not sure that that's was God's intention. And men are fully capable of being able to take care of their their children if you know if they don't have their their wife or their partner with them. You can do it. So one thing you know this is I think episode five I believe that uh, we keep coming across Derek relationship over and over again. What do, what do how do we help parents in this situation? Well, they need to connect with somebody. They need a relationship with another group of parents, another group of friends, in order to to be real, to be vulnerable. Because that's what we were created for. We were created to be in relationships, relationship with God, relationship with each other. So talking about these single parents who desperately need a connection with somebody, um, how can single parents go about finding those connections and how can other families, other people help in that process? Again, I think it's easy to you know come into church, into the the physical structure, you know, it's, it's a whole nother thing to like invite somebody to your home, you know, especially if you don't really know them that well, but you might be sitting next to them or six feet away from them at church and, you know, and have a conversation with them. Like we should be able to invite people into our homes. I think that's one of the best things we can do when, when people know where you live and they, you know, they, they see the way you live with their own eyes. It, it opens doors and it creates connections. And I think that's where the, the beginning of those relationships really set in. You know, you said a while ago, that a lot of the systems we have in place to help can often hurt. Not that, the, you know, not that what's being done for these uh, families is bad, but we'll give our time right around Christmas. What are we going to do? Well, let's, let's buy toys for that family, that's, that single mom family, help her out. That's great. We do these things, and in our own mind, we think, I've, I've, done, I've done my good, I've helped this person now, and I can move on. But inviting them to your home, yeah, that's, that's where those connections are actually going to begin to form. And you're going to be, hopefully, you know, if they're in your house and it's messy, especially, right, and somebody burned dinner, then, oh, yeah, they're imperfect, and I can be real, and I can be vulnerable. So we got to not stop helping in these special ways around Christmas or whatever, but but we need to do much more. We got to go beyond that. Yeah, I agree fully. I know I was going through a hard time when we were missionaries in Haiti. Just um, a girl came into my life. She was visiting from Illinois, actually. And she really took me aside and asked me some hard questions. Just really dug into how are you doing? Good. No, how are you really doing? And then dug even deeper. And um, since that time, we've connected through phone, even when I was living in Haiti. And now currently, now that I live in Minnesota, we still do a phone call once a week. And having that person to talk to and ask me some hard questions and kind of be an accountability, actually, to me has been 
transforming really. And so even though I was living in another country, I was still able to connect. Even now that we live in different states and we're miles apart, we're able to connect. And I do feel like letting people know you and see you for who you really are and being vulnerable and honest and finding, you don't have to tell a bunch of people. You don't have to tell your whole neighborhood or your whole group of friends, but maybe just having a few people that you can really open up to and talk to, or maybe it's just one person. I don't know if it was a year or so ago, the church, Autumn Ridge captured a portion of mine and my mom's story. And I think it's out there on YouTube. I certainly, when I was younger, I didn't want people to know like about my home and about my family and all the garbage. But you know, when you grow up in a small town in Iota, everybody knows. So there, there was no way for me to get away from that. But when I went to college in Chicago, I didn't have to tell people my story. One day, a guy on my floor came in and he's like, wanted to know more about me. So I, I told him my story and he's like, I never would have guessed that. I thought you were like a pastor's kid. <laughs> I'm like, how would you, why would you think that? You know, where did you get that from? And I you know, began to realize that we make up stories about people in our own minds based on our experiences or what the person looks like, so on and so forth. But so from that point, I learned the importance of me telling my story so that people really know who I am. The more I shared, I guess I was just encouraged that people actually thought my story was great, even though I wanted to hide my story. And I can encourage people by telling them about the garbage in my life. For single parents, community is huge. And I think for them, maybe that mindset of, you know, create community that is real, not community that just feels real is a huge thing because that allows you to be vulnerable and, you know, share the struggles and the hard things and have people that are in it with you and, and walk through that with you. Here at Autumn Ridge, if you're not a part of Autumn Ridge, you're listening, listening from somewhere else. Um, I'm sure that somewhere close to you um, does this as well. But Autumn Ridge, we do life groups here at the church. And uh, life groups are an incredible opportunity to do that and build that. And so, you know, if you are a single parent and you're not a part of a life group, man, I would just encourage you to to look at getting involved in a life group because that is community. And I mean, we've seen some stories and heard some stories of different people that have been involved in life groups here and just how much that community meant to them and what it's done. Um, I'm going to encourage this too. If you are in a life group here at Autumn Ridge, so like families, there's no perfect life group, but I feel like sometimes when we talk about life groups, people talk about like there's a perfect life group and it's, you know, four married couples and they're, you know, all these different ages and it's, and that's great. But man, there's a, there, if you're a part of a life group, there's an opportunity that maybe you could pull in somebody who's a single parent into your life group to love them, to live that life with them, to encourage them, to build that community with them, to come alongside them. Um, and so, you know, Hey, if you're a part of a life group here at Don Ridge, I'd encourage you to look for opportunities to pull in those single parents and give them the opportunity to have that community that they so richly need. And and I think the other thing too, you know, for those that aren't single parents, you know, sometimes we can feel like, you know, I need to solve the single parent crisis for every single parent <laughs> across the board, which is not realistic at all. But for sometimes in our mind, we think like, 
okay, I need to provide a million presents at Christmas time to solve the problem for all single parents. And I think it's more of a mentality of just just starting to think, who's the one single parent that I can really invest in and pour into and be there for? Yeah, I agree. I, I think all too often we see these like patronizing solutions to people's problems. And if you've ever been the recipient of patronization, you know, it doesn't feel good. So when somebody, you know, especially even like for dads, if somebody comes to your home that you don't even know and they bring you, bring your kids a bunch of gifts because they, so they somehow heard that your, your kids aren't getting gifts this year. Like that dad, he's just going to go hide in the back room. But you know, if you, if you got to know the family and know the dad, maybe you provide a job or make a connection for that dad so that he's got a job and he can buy his own presents and you're, you're building that person up. And again, it's not that giving gifts to people is wrong, but I I think it's the sort of like the lowest level of help that you can give to people. And I believe that Jesus kind of commands and pushes us to go beyond the easy level. So for those that are listening who aren't a single parent, we've, we've talked about the idea of, of community and having community with that person, but are there specific actions or things that, that those who aren't single parents can do to maybe help single parents, you know, reach out to that single parent and say, Hey, we want to have your child come over to our house and we'll, hang out with them and they can hang out with our kids and watch and give you a break and give you just some time for yourself or, Hey, we want your whole, fa- you know, you and your kids to come over and our kids can play. And then the three of us can hang out or are there maybe things that, uh, are people that are listening can, can do to come alongside, um, and help maybe in a, a specific kind of thing that may be needed by a single parent. Yeah. I think right away of just, Single parents never get a break. So if there's a way you can reach out to a neighbor and say, hey, we're going to the park. Can your kiddo come along? You know, another idea would be there's when you're a single parent, there's a lot of house projects, maybe things that get put on the back burner. Like, hey, is there any little project you need? You need need uh, something hung on the wall? That's a great one, especially for like the guys out there. Like sometimes we think like, well, my wife will you know, watch their kid or, you know, but for guys, I mean, I think there's a way right there where, you know, you can, can reach out and come over and just help out in the home with projects and things that need to get done. That's a great one. Are you saying that women in no way should be doing oh that my type gosh. of work there? Robert, <laughs> did you that... hear that everybody? <laughs> oh my goodness. There's that mail coming in right now. Uh-huh. No, playing around, playing around. Oh. No, that's, a, that's an excellent point that, you know, there is a way for, for everybody to be involved and to help out with these single parent homes. Um, so kind of just to, to bring it all together, I'm gonna to take a, a, a cue from Derek and what he did with our uh, last episode here. I wrote down a couple of things. You wanna be available, you wanna be real, be vulnerable, and you wanna go beyond the easy fix, the easy help, do more for these people, do something that that is really truly lasting and will have an impact beyond one single day or one single moment. So then, any final thoughts from either one of you to, to speak out to single parents out there or to people wanting to do more for single parents? 
I think there's, I was just thinking of two words. Um, do life. Do life and be real. So maybe it's four words. Do life and be real. That sums it up for me. Yeah, people are not a project. You know, they're, they're people created by the same God that created you. So get, get in relationship with people, even if your wife may call you and say she's got a project for you at so-and-so's house. Look for those opportunities for a relationship. We've been blessed by relationships with single moms who have, you know, their daughters are friends with our daughters and, you know, we share meals together and sometimes they're taking our kids to their house and giving us a break. Done well and done in relationship, it can very much be a reciprocating blessing for both parties. Thank you for being here and and sharing this insight in uh, single parent life and, and how we can do more for these families. Thank you both for being here. Um, in the show notes, I'm going to add a, uh, I'll add the YouTube link uh, for your story that you were talking about. I'll put a link in there for Autumn Ridge Church Life Groups. If you're in the area, you want to join up in one of those, uh, that link will be out there. And uh, next week, I don't even know what to expect. I do know what to expect. I expect a lot of craziness. We're going to have uh, one of our pastors here, our missions Woody! pastor, Woody Roland, and you never, ever... You, you ne- yeah, you never know what's coming out of that guy's mouth sometimes. You don't. He's an enigma. He's a lot of fun, but he's going to come in and talk about, uh, speaking of missionaries, right? He's going to talk about families and doing mission work and, and being involved in that way. So looking forward to that. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, as always, be sure to uh, subscribe, leave us a review, help us out in those rankings when people are searching for this podcast. It's a, it's a big help to us. Derek, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Parent Podcast. The Parent Podcast is produced by Autumn Ridge Church and Robert Nash. Our sound engineer is Ian Benoit. Our theme song is Silver Skies by Geome. Follow us on Twitter at Parent Podcast or on Instagram at The Parent Podcast. You can email us with questions or topics you would like us to cover at parentpodcast at autumnridgechurch.org. For more information on Autumn Ridge Church, please visit autumnridge.church. Thank you for listening.